0: Good morning church, my name is Brett, I am pastor of this people It's good to see all of you, but especially those who are with us for the first time Glad you're here And maybe you who have been with us for a while And have not yet considered us your church home We're glad you decided to do so for an hour today Bless you Turn with me over to the book of Matthew, chapter 25 We're going to continue our series on stewardship And we're going to look at, and probably the quintessential passage on the topic What do we do with that which God gave us? The title of the message is Stewardship, Bringing God Increase. Stewardship, Bringing God Increase. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 28, Jesus is speaking. And he says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, each one according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, verse 16, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with him. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him well done good and faithful slave you who were faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of many things enter into the joy of your master verse 24 and the one also who had received the one talent came up and said master I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed and I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground see you have what is yours but his master answered and said to him you wicked lazy slave you knew I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest verse 28 therefore take away the one talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents Lord help us as we study three things about which I'd like to concentrate today. One, the owner leaves. Two, overseers are called to manage. Three, the owner returns. The backdrop to this passage is that Jesus is in the final week of his life while on earth, pre-resurrection. He is doing everything he possibly can to help the disciples understand how important it is for them to posture theirsel- themselves toward his purpose of advancing the cause of the kingdom in the earth. He's trying to give the, the really impacting life messages that would define what their ministry would look like. Now they did not know he was leaving. He would told them many times but they didn't get it and so they thought they had entered into Jerusalem with the idea that he was going to unseat Pilate who happened to be the puppet ruler of Rome there, deal with Herod, who, although he was the ruler of the Jews, was in another city, and set up his own throne. On either side would be the disciples in his administration, ruling at some level. They didn't know that he was going to the cross. They didn't get it. But Jesus was doing all that he could to try to help them understand through parables, I'm getting ready to go on a journey. I'm about to leave you and I'm going to leave you with stuff, I'm not going to leave you alone, you're going to have the Holy Spirit he told them that in the book of John 14, 15, 16 that he would not leave them as orphans, but he's sending the Holy Spirit, and that it would be better that he go, because if he does not go, then the Holy Spirit will not come, and so he was, he was trying to prep them as best as possible, but they just weren't getting it and here he gives one of the final parables parables that help them to find what they are to do with that which he gives them. And stewardship is all about making sure that you take that which is another's and bring it toward its desired and intended end. So if you have something that is someone else's, then you need to inquire of the person who gave it to you, what do you want me to do with this? And how would you like it to to be returned to you you when you get it back? Stewardship is all about caring for that which is somebody else's and bringing it to its desired end. And I know there are a lot of things about which we need to be concerned. We need to be good stewards over our families. So you need to be the best mom and dad you can possibly be. You need to be an excellent steward over your marriage so you need to be the best spouse you can possibly be. You need to be a good steward over your career. So don't do anything stupid in your employ. And do everything you possibly can to try to bring benefit to your employer, which will in in large part benefit you. You're stewarding over a position that they have given you. You need to be a good steward over your finances. You need to make sure that you're giving to the orphans that we have here and many other projects that you're familiar with that I'm not. You need to make sure that you're tithing. Tithing is giving 10% of your resources to God. And that, that is, a, that is, that is a, an explanation from my perspective. From God's perspective, when you tithe, you're not giving a thing. It's his money. Amen. That's why he says in the book of Malachi, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He doesn't say, give your tithe. He says, bring it, because it's mine. So after that, he says, you aren't tithing, therefore you're robbing me. I figured it'd get really quiet. (laughs) So what God is calling you, if you are not tithing, is a thief. Oh, it's not that I'm looking for your money. God has blessed us as a house, and we are able to do some things that I didn't believe we would be able to do at the point at which we are. I am very grateful for everybody's contribution and how he has blessed us is amazing. And I'm I'm asking God every day for my ability as well as the elders and the others who help lead our finances for us to be good stewards over the resources he's given. And so far, I think we've done an admirable job. Could we have done things better? Sure, but everybody can. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. We send out a financial report to you every year to tell you where we are. We're accountable to you. But tithing is not so much so I can get your money. It's so that you stop robbing God. Right. Amen. It's, it's his. Now, rather than thinking somehow that he's being really unreasonable by asking you to give him what's his which is 10% of your money you need to look at it on the flip side of the corner he's letting you keep 90 I mean when you, when you really think about it it's all his he's letting you keep 90 this is not a message about tithing but there are a number of things that we need to steward that God's given us All those things I just said are important and many others. But there is nothing more important to steward than the gospel that he has given us for salvation. Listen to me. There is nothing more important to steward than this message of the gospel. Why? Because it it is the only on-ramp, theologically, to get people out of death and into life. There is no other way to do it. Philosophy can't do it. Making people smarter with education cannot do it. Trying to figure out how to to fix all your bad by doing good can't do it. You can never outweigh your sin with righteousness. Meaning your righteous acts can't fix your criminal activity in the kingdom. When I say criminal activity in the kingdom, I'm not talking about Fairfax County. I'm talking about the kingdom. The kingdom, you've done much more wrong than you've ever done in Fairfax County. And you need to suffer. We all are called to suffer. That is the penalty. The consequences of our misdeeds are supposed to be ours. Yet he has decided not to let us suffer. And he decided to suffer on our behalf. And we don't have to go through that. This message of the gospel allows people to get off. From everything they've done wrong and not just to be pardoned for that which they need to serve in terms of their consequences, but to have the record expunged. Do you know the difference? Some of you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. No, no, no. Being pardoned means you get off of the penalty. So you get released from not having to serve that which required a sentence. And the president will, you know, when he finishes his time in office, whoever it is, always gives these pardons. Either he knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. He needs to get off. And so the last thing he will do before he leaves office is to write pardons. Well, those pardons don't wipe out the wrongdoing. They just say you no longer have to serve your sentence. When, when, When our jurisprudence system decides to expunge your record, it's as if you never did whatever you did wrong. It doesn't exist any longer. Nobody can find it. That's what Jesus does for your life. (laughs) Now, the Bible says he remembers our sins no more. And there's a passage over in uh, Micah that says he throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Now, that is really good, but but I don't want you to interpret from that that, that that somehow God develops amnesia. He does not. And remember, he's got to look at his son every day. The father has to look at the son every day who has nail prints in his hands, a mark in his side from a spear, nail prints in his feet. There's no way he can, he can forget what that paid for. No way. So it's not like he just says, oh, what'd you do? Mm, sorry. Forgot. He remembers them differently. He doesn't remember them according to how you need to be judged. He remembers them according to how he redeemed you from the judgment. That's how. He doesn't remember our sin anymore with with respect to our judgment. He remembers it according to how he redeemed us from the judgment. This message of the gospel, it is the most important thing that we need to steward. Nothing is more important because it's how you got saved and get to eternity in life and it's how other people will receive the same. Everything that you steward here, your physical body, your relationships, the stuff he gives you, material possessions, all of it stays. Now, your relationships will will get to go through but they'll be different there than they are here. But when you talk about all your stuff, as a man said at a funeral, you, you, you will never see a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. You can't take it with you. Amen. It all stays. The most important thing we've got is this message of the gospel to help people conquer death, survive it, that when their physical body no longer can function, they get to pass right on into glory. Rather than judgment. And it, it's my, my opinion. That Jesus last week of his life. He was more concerned with the eternal than he was the temporal. That's my opinion. That although it can have application to everything else we have to steward. I think he was talking about what needed to be done to a bunch of ministers. Who needed to make sure that the, they, they prioritized well and majored on what was major so here we have message it's like a man who is about to go on a journey and Jesus was about to go on a journey he's about to leave for a long time and he decided I'm going to make sure that I distribute some things to some people who can work with my stuff while I'm gone and what is the most important stuff he's got to work with except this message he said I will build my church and upon how upon what does he build it On the idea of who he is and how people need to accept who he is by dying and letting him live through them. And he distributed all this stuff on the basis of people's capacity. This message, this most important stuff. And he gave one who had the capacity for five talents, gave him five. Another who had the capacity for two, two. And another who had capacity for one, one. Now, I... I'm not quite sure where I fall on the capacity scale, but I have a feeling it's somewhere around one. Now, I'm not that guy. I didn't bury it, but I'm, I'm the one capacity guy. Why? Because when I think of five, I think there are only a couple of people, only a few folks in history that are fives. Paul, five five, he's five, he, he, he capacity, huge, Peter, five, James, five, all of the disciples in the first generation of those who received Christ had got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to go out and do this thing, fives, everybody after, we'll go with twos, Ignatius, the early church fathers, John Wesley, Martin Luther, Zingley, John Calvin, twos, twos, because they're taking all the information that they got, from whatever has already been gotten. And so they had the New Testament. Paul didn't have it. Peter didn't have it. They were writing it. These, they were fives. The, all the church fathers and everybody, they're, they're twos. Twos is good. Twos is good. Brett, I'm flattering myself by saying one. I could not have been God's first choice to come to Washington. The only reason he called me is because everybody else had to say no. I've never been a first-round draft choice in anything. Not even second, third, fourth. I, a free agent. Volunteer? That's Brett. I didn't have a seminary degree. I'd been in ministry all of 18 months when I was called here. 20 months when I got here. I got saved in March of 1981. Was thrown into ministry by December nine months later I was in ministry came here eight months later and I don't know who thought it was a good idea to send me I mean think 20 months in ministry and you are called to lead a campus ministry and, and start one and get it going I, I, I was 21 years old I had no idea I couldn't have been if I was his first choice oh oh the body of Christ was in serious trouble Serious trouble. I'm a one. I'm a one. Maybe a one. Maybe. But the good thing is this. God does not judge me on the basis of those who are fives. Yeah. Yes, thank wow. you, Lord. Isn't that good? <laughs> That's really good. All he's doing is judging me on the basis of what I can do. Right. Yeah. Wow. We'll get to that in a minute. But he gave... To, to, gave to the one who had capacity for 5-5, five, five, the one who had capacity for 2-2, two, two, the one who had capacity for 1-1. One, one. And, and the beauty is that they all understood implicitly what needed to be done. It's not like the master needed to go through and explain to them, now what I want you to do is... They, they were stewards. It was their job to make sure that they brought increase to the master. And I'm, 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 I'm asking you, What are you doing with this gospel message? How are you bringing increase to the master? Are you sharing your life with people about what Jesus has done? Are you opening up your testimony to those who have no idea about what God wants to do with an individual? And how he can take them from darkness to light? I get it, you may not have all the scriptures... You may not know all the analogies. The things that are most important that you find in the Bible to lead someone down the pathway of repentance, you may not have. But what you do have, you've got a story. You can tell somebody what Jesus did for you. And you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to open your mouth and share. I know what you say. Christianity is a person personal thing. <laughs> My religion is a personal thing to me. And I, I don't want to force it on anybody. You know, it's it's, it's between them and God. And I, I don't want to get in the way. Please get in the way. Get in the way so that they can get in the right way. Because they, they don't have a connection to God. You might be the only version of of right they ever meet I'm begging you open your mouth the other way that we can begin to bring bring increase to God is by allowing the Holy Spirit to do something on the inside of us and produce fruit produce things that allow him to be seen in us like never before so So the the, the owner leaves and then the overseers now have to steward, have to manage. And one of the ways we can best manage is to make sure that our hearts, our souls, our strength, our bodies are being fashioned so that every bit of what we do and say, all that people understand us to be glorifies who God is. That we don't Make people scratch their heads so that when we open our mouth, it, co- it contradicts with what they see in our life. That it fits, it makes sense. Oh, that's why you are the way you are, rather than, why are you the way you are? I mean, you say one thing, but uh, I, got, I don't get it. And we put too many stumbling blocks in front of people because we don't live what we believe. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Whoops! I said something twice because there are only nine. Nine. These things are the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. And this fruit of the Spirit is the way we understand what God looks like in his character now there may be more things that we don't get but just do these 9 you'll be alright do these nine. be more loving in fact don't just do what everybody else does and love people who love you Amen. be loving like God and love people who don't love you love your enemies that's a testimony yeah. as to who God is and what he looks like in the world You say, I don't have enough patience. Get more. You see, about these nine things, Paul says at the very end, against such these nine, there is no law, which means that you can get as much as you want. If you run out, take another bite of fruit. You can have as much patience as you want. And the only time we really need patience is when we don't have it. More peace in the midst of chaos, storms, the peace that is on the inside of you can alter the storms on the outside. But if you have a storm that's raging on the inside that equals the storm on the outside, all you do is multiply it. You make it much worse than it really is because your God is bigger than the storm and he can control the storm he can bring you through the storm but when you begin to fear and doubt then you lose your relationship and connection with god even though he's still with you and then you make the storm much more than it really should be the disciples jesus said we're going to the other side they got it all in the boat the disciples were seasoned fishermen they understood something about what this sea was and they 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 knew what it could produce and they knew when not to sail And so this was a moment when they were sailing, when they would have said to Jesus, not a good idea to sail because we see the signs on the horizon. It's about to storm, seriously. They didn't say that. Sometimes storms just come out of no place. As they're sailing, this storm just came out of no place. It was so bad that the disciples bailing, 12 of them, couldn't pull the water out of the boat fast enough. It was coming in faster than they could bail and they looked. These are seasoned fishermen who knew what this sea was about. This was a storm unlike any other they had ever been in. And they looked at Jesus. And he was sleeping in the hull of the boat. He wasn't even helping to bail. He was sleeping. They were so mad. You could tell they'd been bailing a long time. And they say, if We could use an extra hand. <laughs> you know, the water's coming in. We, we need some help here. If we just had somebody, they look at Jesus. Peter says this Do you not care that we are perishing? They are hot. They are mad at him. How can you sleep when we're about to die? Why don't you help us? I know you are much more reverent in your prayers. I know you are but that's the spirit out of which it comes where are you don't you know that I'm in trouble down here I need your presence how come this isn't stopping their anxiety was making the moment worse but Jesus was asleep see the he he had something they didn't have he had peace in here And, and he got up and he went to the bow of the boat hush be still immediately the wind stopped and the sea became completely calm the peace on the inside got transferred on the outside you can alter the storms of your life by allowing peace to be the navigator and the controller of how things go let that peace which allows you to know that God is in the middle of this and he's got you he's got you what Peter should have done rather than being mad at God was just curl up in the blanket with Jesus okay listen listen if we go down he goes down he ain't going down That dude he ain't going down I'm telling you he ain't going I know it looks like we're all going down but he ain't going down so y'all bail Stop <laughs> going over here The fruit of the Spirit is that which evidences that God is in your life and that the gospel has taken root beyond that which just allows you to get to heaven. But bringing heaven here, bringing the kingdom to earth in your own life, what are you doing with this gospel? What are you doing with it? You're called to bring increase. That's what the managers were supposed to do. And the beautiful thing about the first two it says immediately immediately they went out some of you all have been born again for years and we are still waiting for the immediately I hope today puts a little urgency in your life so that the immediately can come right after this service you're going to do all you can to try to bring increase to God through this gospel he gave it to you freely and the principle is this if you freely receive something in Matthew 10 you're supposed to freely freely give it he paid the price for you to get it free make sure you give it to somebody else immediately they went out I mean there was this sense of I gotta get to work now he might be gone for a week he might be gone for for two years, I don't know. But if he comes back next week, he's going to expect something. So i got to get to work. You need to get to work. Both in your character and in winning, winning people. Now remember the last thing Jesus said before he left the planet. I mean, he was there with the disciples on, the, the mount, on mount of uh, Bethany and Olives. And, and, and it says that he went up. Just got taken up. Just floated. And, and the last thing he said before he went up was, go. Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. And we are called to do that. If you are a Christian, if you love him, you're called to make a disciple. He's called bringing increase to his kingdom. Me and a good steward over this message. So, what happened? Well, Jesus came back. Or the master came back. And when the master comes back, generally he's not coming back just to say hey. He's coming back to settle up. I am I am mindful of evaluations and how they need to occur in the employment environment. I help to steward this house. And we've got, I don't know, between 38 and 40 employees. It helped things to go well here. And everybody has a supervisor, and those supervisors are there to help and assist and provide an environment where they can be productive and to help them along in their... Their evaluation so that they know exactly that upon which they need to improve or to be commended. And um, most Christians are waiting for their, their evaluation from God to happen when they die. That the ultimate is to hear, Well done, that good and faithful servant. But, but, but if, if you needed adjustment halfway, and, and he didn't say anything, excuse me, and you didn't listen, then it, it, it didn't assist you as much as it should have because you waited 50 years for the evaluation. I evaluate folks that have to report to me about every week. In a particular service, I'm down here on my phone when you shouldn't be because I am talking to people about what's going on in church what happened here why did we do that why is that slide that way why did we choose this song fix the inner ear do something about the guitar I am working to make sure that whatever is not right in this service doesn't continue to the next and at the same time saying oh that was fabulous boy those slides are amazing today. they are right on make sure you tell the people in the back they're doing a fabulous job I love the color coordination I'm encouraging people at the same time letting them know well done so that they can understand what, it, what we are supposed to look like and feel like so there is no distraction for you so whatever happened in the first service that I didn't like didn't happen for you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> my point is that evaluations are helpful when they can occur quickly not at the very end you don't evaluate an employee after he retires. I'm looking for to evaluation every day of my life. When I lay my head on my pillow, God, how was today? Did, did, did I get, did I deserve a well done? Were there things that I needed to adjust? I'm not just looking for that there. And I, I have five things upon which I evaluate my day. Five things, And I keep these things in tow because it's important for me to, to know that I'm doing good. And I have my whole Bible, but I've boiled my life down to five things that help me understand how I'm progressing in God. And they all, all are phonetically F's. So the first is philanthropy. Am I giving today? Did I, did I sacrifice? Did I either give my energy, my time, my money? Did I give to you in the kingdom today? Uh, the second is um, fitness. I I hate working out, I hate it but I have to make sure that I'm I'm healthy for you and my family because it's hard to minister the gospel out of a hospital bed and I don't want to be hindered or hampered by shooting holes in my own boat and watching the water come in and why, asking God, am I sinking and so I, I work out really, really hard so that my physical body can serve me well and I, I, I eat stuff I don't like. Just, all healthy stuff is nasty. Just flat nasty. Now I know all of you who are used to healthy and eating, your taste buds have changed. Mine have not. My taste buds go on strike when I put something healthy in my life. They, they just betray me and they get mad. Give me sugar, give me sugar, they cry out. But I've decided that it's better to be healthy than happy. And so I choose this, <laughs> this pathway. Fitness. Lord, how'd I do in my health today? Did I push it for you? And I mean when I work out, it's not you can't read a book when I work out. It's <laughs> it's it's really difficult. It's like twice a month I feel like I'm gonna throw up working out. It is not easy. I want to be fruitful. God, was I fruitful today? Did I bear fruit in my personal life? Did I bear fruit? Did I help lead somebody further down the kingdom road? Did I win anybody to you? Was I filled with the Spirit, number four? Did I I really manifest your presence and power today? Did I restrain my mouth with my character the way it should be? And lastly, was I faithful? Was I faithful to my family, my friends, my community? Those five things... Help me go to bed when I lay my head on the pillow and say, okay, out of these five, was it four out of five today? Was it five out of five? If it was a five out of five, I know I hear well done. I try to let the Lord evaluate me daily so that my next 24 is better than my last. If I blew it on on something, Lord, I ask your forgiveness. Please inspire me, help me to be better tomorrow. This allows me the privilege of understanding something about how to grow and produce something for God. And the one who had five, he brought back five more. And he got to hear two words from God. Well done. Now, you you will hear either those two words or the other two words. Wicked and lazy. strive to hear the first two well done rather than wicked lazy because what comes after wicked lazy is not not good the amazing thing is that you still you, you aren't kicked out of heaven we're not talking about losing your salvation here on the basis of your poor performance that doesn't happen but what we are talking about is making God happy and too many Christians are just trying to figure out how to get into heaven how to to skate by and do as little as possible as long as they're saved well there's a conversation that's going to happen when you get there and it's going to be started by him what did you do with what I gave you and the next words that come out of his mouth you want to hear are well done not wicked lazy the one who gained five he, he heard well done I gave you five. You were faithful with little. And look what you did. You made increase. You doubled it. Enter into the joy of your master. He says, you now gain access into my pleasure like never before. Listen, there is something about the pleasure of God that brings fulfillment to your life unlike any other. I don't know how many people, how many young people, old for that matter, who find as much accomplishment in what they do as in how it pleased their parents. I mean, you could get a bonus for being the salesman of the year. But most people, all they want to hear from dad is, I'm proud of you. They don't want to hear from their employer as much as they want to hear it from dad. They don't want to hear from their wife, their spouse. They don't want to hear from it. If dad and mom say, I am so proud of you, that makes their life And some of you right now are saying, I never got that. I never got it. And there's a hole down here. This is the opportunity for us to hear it from the ultimate, the Father. You want that. Because when you get to eternity, there are no redos. There are no redos. None. Enter into the joy of how I feel about you. Such fulfillment comes from that. And as I said earlier, the guy who had two gained two more. And the beauty is this the same commendation. Why? Because it's what he could do. Now, if the guy who had five gained two, I don't know if he would have heard, well done. He may have heard, well done. I mean, you did something. Yeah, but I probably should have given you two rather than five. Probably. My bad, my bad but the two gained two and he got to hear the same commendation as the five who gained five again god is not comparing you with anybody else i mean i look at i look at some preachers i listen to podcasts and i watch tv and some of them are just stunning in the revelation they get from the bible i mean i I listen to t.d jakes and i say what bible do you read What Bible do you... Because I don't get anything that you get out of that passage. I've read that passage a thousand times and I never got that. (laughs) What Bible do you read? Now, you know, in our generation, I probably call him a two and a half guy. Rather than a two. He surely ain't a one. I'm a one. He's probably a two and a half. That's just amazing stuff. I'm just a guy. I'm just reading my Bible trying to help folk. But I mean, gosh... The Lord isn't judging me according to TD. He's judging me according to me. What did I do? Oh, that gives me comfort because I I can beat me. I can beat me. I I may not be able to beat anybody else, but I can beat me. I can win against me. Well done. And then the last guy had won. He went out and buried it. And he said, you know, um, Master, I knew you were a man who reaped where you didn't sow and you gathered where you scattered no seed. uh, You know, you're real shrewd and you don't like to lose money. I mean, you gain money from nothing. You surely don't like to lose it. And I thought it'd be best if like I just buried your money and I want you to know I'm making you happy today. You got it back. And the Master looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? If I wanted it like that, I wouldn't have given it to you at all. I could have held on to it. I gave it to you to bring... in Why didn't you put it in the bank? Help me. Why Why didn't you put it in the bank? At least I could have gained interest. Listen, so many... You don't even know you're doing it. But you use the phrase I said earlier, which is, Well, my Christianity is a personal thing. You know, it's a, it's a, religion should not be forced on anyone. And so I'd, if people ask me, I'll share. But if not, mm, I don't want to be too pushy. If you had the cure for cancer, how pushy would you be? If you had the cure for cancer, how pushy would you be? And if you went to the grave with the cure, without telling anybody, people would call you criminal. Why did you? Die with the secret You could have helped so many people We have the survival kit to death We have eternal life within our mouths And the breaths of our souls We need to share it with people who do not What is wrong with you for burying it in your heart At least you could have given God interest Interest would be Come to a men's meeting and share your testimony Come to a women's meeting and share your testimony Help somebody on a Sunday morning. Pray with them. At least you are inputting back into the pot so the pot can grow. That's interest for God. You're not increasing the kingdom outwardly. You're not bringing great benefit in terms of growth, but you are helping on the inside. So that's good. It's good you know if, if, if you have one you might you might what are the interest rates on a savings account today about 0.25 something like that so if you got a hundred dollars at the end of the year you'll have a hundred dollars and 25 cents that's okay that's increase increasing increase <laughs> at least you wouldn't be called wicked and lazy might be a well done well done well done where do you want to be with God where do you want to be I want to be on the well done side every day what are you doing with this message of the gospel be a good steward and bring increase to the kingdom let's pray Daddy, I love you. I thank you for your goodness. Please inspire and help us to do what we need to do to bring increase to your kingdom.